Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Their Pitch, episode 39. Andrine Stolsmo Hegeberg plays the main role in this week's episode. She's a midfielder currently playing in the Damalsvenskan with BK Häcken. Hegeberg has 25 caps with Norway on her resume and she has experience from playing in the top flights in Norway, Germany, Sweden, England, France, Italy and now Sweden again. She dreamed about being Paolo Maldini as a child and she has played in seven cup finals. Hegeberg also recently made it back after an ACL injury and she joined BK Häcken with a clear goal in mind to make it back to Norway senior national team. You are listening to Der Pitch and this is the Andrine Stolsmo Hegeberg episode. I'm going to ask you to pronounce your name. Yeah, there it goes. Andrine Stolsmo Hegeberg. Andrine Stolsmo Hegeberg. But lately, over the last 10 years as a professional footballer world, it's been a nickname's been Andy. Clean and easy <laughs> for everyone to pronounce. <laughs> with a new episode and last week we had Elena Sadiku on and this week we're having Andrine Hegeberg on the Norwegian International but before we go ahead to start with Andrine here we are gonna say thank you guys for listening to this episode and for all the other episodes uh, be sure to leave a thumbs up and leave a review please we would appreciate that Andrina, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. You guys? I'm doing great, thank you. You just woke up from a nap, no? Uh, a little nap on the couch after a long day at the office. Double session, Champions League draw, lots of meetings, but I'm good to go. I'm ready. You're in shape. Absolutely, absolutely. And we also have a quote here from three people that know you, and we're going to start off with uh, a little special way because uh, this time we actually have a recording from someone. I only have uh, good things to say about Andrina. I think first of all, she's a great athlete, a great uh, football player, and she's definitely one you want to have on your team and not to face us and uh, an opponent. Um, She's very professional in everything she does, and she always puts hundred percent for for her teammates. But most importantly, I think um, she's a great person. I would say that she's a a happy, smiling person, except for some sometimes on the field. She can be a bit grumpy, but I guess <laughs> that's normal. Um, I think we both of us felt quite early that we would. Uh, get along quite well together. Um, we were 
roommates on the team, but we were also neighbors. So we definitely spent a lot of time also outside the football field. Um, we've been to concerts, we've been traveling, exploring, watching a lot of football, watching a lot of ice hockey, eating a lot of good food together. Um, I do have a lot of great memories. Maybe I shouldn't mention all of all of it here, but uh, yeah, I only have uh, great things to say about her, and I I miss having her as a teammate, and I think she's a person that I I can always turn to if I need to vent or if I need to express my feelings, and she would always listen and uh, most of all understand. Uh, so yeah, she's a she's a great one. I'm happy to have her in my life. Who do you think that is? Actually, it took me it took me a while to catch who this was, but the eyes were part of like ah, and this is a is a special player and a person in my career. It's Beata Kolmot, and it's actually quite funny because we we be, uh, we play together in Copa Bergsjöteborg. I think for like three seasons, and then. I came back to Gothenburg from Rome, and she went from Gothenburg to Rome. And it's just one of those, how is that possible? She's one of the my best friends still, after being so long apart. We still have a good connection, and every time I meet her, it's, it's a good time. Uh, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Uh, on the pitch is one of those where you just can be honest to. Uh, if she wants feedback for, uh, from her performance, I can give it to her and we kind of connect even even stronger. But she's uh, one of those players also has been unlucky on the road, had uh, huge setbacks with her knees, but still has a fighting spirit that's beyond impressive, if you ask me, because it's been you know, tough mentally and Seeing her now playing in Rome, taking the risk in going abroad the last years, maybe, of her career. It's a gut that Beata has in her and uh, she's one of, you know, when you look back at your career and you were like just happy for the people you met, she's definitely one of those. But that was a nice message. I'm really, really happy to hear that, actually. I'm going to text her straight after this episode because yeah, I really miss her in Gothenburg. That's for sure. I, I actually need to tell you this because I, I got in touch with Camilla Spinelli uh, in Roma. Yeah. And she told told us to say hi to you. Uh, oh, yeah. Camilla. That, that's the fr- Another that, great person. That's the first thing. And then and then she actually, I messaged her in the morning to, to just uh, reach out to get her help uh, if there were any players in Roma that that could do this for us. And I'm pretty sure she didn't know that you and Beata uh, knew each other because she, oh, that might be yeah, because, because she was like, you know, the players are away and, and sorry, I can't, I can't help you. And then I was like, but can you, can you ask Beata? And then she got back to me after lunch today. And then she told me that Beata had said, I would really love to do this. And then we got this sound file. So just wanted to mention that. That's two, two great women there, Beata and uh, Camilla. Both of them is, yeah, are two persons that I'm really happy that I met during my career. And also Beata, we did, we played together. We did a lot of extra training, stay behind. 
but also as you mentioned uh, ice hockey was a big part of our life through <laughs> the indians every time we went back from training they have like three games a week which i'm not jealous of to be honest so we often stop by on our way home um, after training and then we watch a game and then we went to our apartment out of everything you guys picked hockey <laughs> yes uh, I, I really don't know why either. I guess it was someone else on the team who dragged us along, and then, yeah, we went to the ice hockey hall as often as we could. <laughs> We're going to introduce you to two two more women um, in your life, more or less. Um, the first one goes right here, and it says, "We actually, they actually bring out the Andy." Um, Andy is a person who spreads a lot of positive ener- energy around herself, both on and off the field. It's a, she's incredibly good at talking and controlling her her players, but you can even hear her roar sometimes. If you see her pull her pants and do a a jump with both feet, then she's really really mad. She is a person with an incredibly good humor. She's actually one of the few people that laughs at my jokes, but she's also become extremely good at making her own Gothenburg jokes. Who do you think that is? Ah, that must be Jennifer Falk. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's so true, actually. I might be the only one who actually laughs at her jokes. Yeah. They're super dry, and it's just like, (laughs) no, Falk, you didn't. (laughs) And then I'm the only one laughing. Ah, oh, that's another good person. Yeah, wow, she's an amazing player and and as a person as well. She played her when I played her last time. I played in Gothenburg when it was between thirteen to sixteen, I think, two thousand thirteen to sixteen. And she's one of those who's still here, which I'm super happy about. Yeah, was it? Did it bring extra comfort to come back and knowing that there's still people that you used to play with? Uh, I, I didn't think much about it. But when I first met them, it, it yeah, gave me so much energy. Uh, all the great persons off and, off, off and on the pitch. Uh, and Falk being a leader, she's grown so much as well as a player. I remember she coming up as a talent. Um, and now she's top, top class. Not just in Sweden, but also in Europe, I think. And uh, now it looks like it's her turn to give it a go at the national team as well. And I'm super excited for her because... She's been working hard, and I see her put down the effort every day. And uh, she's one of those goalies that can save you points. We we praise the strikers and the goal scorers, but she's one one to have in behind as well. Before we go on with the third person, and probably the most important person, I want to I want to know about the pulling your pants and then jumping. <laughs> I, I was wondering myself, but like I was like, what? And then I saw my yeah, I know exactly what she means. It's just a um, hard one to explain, actually. But sometimes I play with my emotions. Oh, I was on the shirt. I was going to say, but I pull them like upwards, which kind of makes a bad picture as well, I guess. But and then I that had happened. That has happened a few times, and Falk has been the one pointing it out every time. Drag them up and make a jump. And then it's on to the next situation. But it's actually, it's weird because it's kind of the same when I score goals. Sometimes I, I look more pissed off than than happy, actually. But I, I don't know. It's just because I'm in the moment, I think. <laughs> but when you watch the games and do the analysis after uh, after games, it's not really a proud moment, I would say. It's more like an embarrassing one, but it's been a few years now, so I know. <laughs> 
they might come. I'm I'm gonna keep an eye out for that as soon as uh, the the league starts back up again after the national team break. There's actually a, a clip also from from Roma where I make an assist and it looks like I'm just I'm just like <laughs> punching through the air, looking more pissed off than happy. But I have no explanation. It's just some kind of relief, I guess, from putting in so much work and finally getting out and during the 90 minutes. Strange one, that one. Can't really explain. All right, here we go. I think like I might even get emotional reading this. Andrina was good with a football at her feet already as a two-year-old. The size of the ball did not matter and she always had one nearby. Andrina was determined early on that football was the most important thing in life. She thought she had to be a boy to get far, so it was the manly players that were the role models, especially Paolo Maldini at Milan. She wanted an ID that said Andrina Maldini with a picture of herself. She cut her hair as a boy when she thought it was necessary to become a professional footballer. That changed when she saw the movie Bend It Like Beckham. She was interviewed by the TV channel Fox Kids, and she was very clear she was going to become pro. When she was young, she had a temper and cried when the boys' team had played, played and lost. But she could also cry and curse when the team won if everyone hadn't worked hard enough. But she usually calmed down after the bike ride home. She had great. She has great training capacity. She had great training capacity already when she was small, and was up in the early mornings and running in the paths between Sundalsfjella. Eventually, she grew to understand football that was far, far better than average. She made her debut for Kulbotten when she was 15 years old, possibly 14, as I don't remember this exactly. Then time has passed so quickly, she's played professionally in five European leagues, with Norway included, and has been in seven cup finals. Andrine also has played 25 matches for Norway's national team. Hi, mom. <laughs> That's my mom, right? Yeah. <laughs> Had to be. Yeah. yeah um, she's not lying. Um, and she's been with me all the way. She was the one I cried to when we biked home from the games. And it's true. I, some probably think I'm a chicken. <laughs> not being happy when we won. But I already from early on, I knew that, or I was told that if you wanted to become pro, you need to act like a pro. You need to do like the pros. And they work hard and train every day. So I took it really, literally. Even when we played like 5v5 and 7v7 at that age. I just For me, we could lose, we could win, but I, I had a really, like honestly, a hard time understanding when people didn't put in their best effort. Because uh, that, that was like win or lose. You have to give your best. And when yeah. you didn't give your best, that felt like we somehow didn't succeed. So on the bike rides home, crying, I was, I remember also being so tired every game. Um, she also had to like call me down and tell me those things that for you, that's maybe what matters. And yeah, for me also, it's hard to understand because she was honest though. Uh, it's hard to understand why they don't give everything they got, but that's something you can encourage them to do. And if it doesn't work, that's something you can focus on because you need to focus on yourself. And that's the thing with my parents. Uh, one thing I'm really happy about is the way they were always honest about things. It wasn't just like, 
ah, but it doesn't matter if they don't give everything. She was like, yeah, me neither, Andy. I don't understand, but that's what we got to work with and how we're going to solve it. So when I hear now how other kids or leaders or whoever communicate, it's, it's that kind of honesty that kind of, yeah, gives the growth to a healthy relationship in terms of getting to the target that or achieve those goals you set. Because I think people are a bit afraid of being honest. But also, she's right. I thought I needed to be, be a boy to become a pro. Took me a long time. Took me actually a video. And it like Beckham to realize that maybe it was possible for us girls as well. And it's on that day I decided to like, okay, I'm done. I've had my hair short now for a few years. But gelled in it every morning, just like the boys. Thought I was going to play at San Siro with Maldini. But then it, then it like Beckham, a movie, changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> It would actually be really funny if the day you went pro, you decided that you still wanted Maldini on the back of your shirt. <laughs> that would just be hilarious. Change my name. Oh, yeah. Oh, she always brings that story up. It was during Norway Cup, actually. It was like this pool booth and you can do your own football card. And my name was, of course, obviously, Andrina Maldini. Uh, also one of those. A little bit embarrassing, but also, yeah. Looking back, I, I was a fearless and sometimes I think... That was a really cool kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. But but when also when I read this, I think uh, I I see a little bit like of myself in this because I wasn't, I was more of a she's the man type of person when it came to movies. But for me as well, like losing, uh, it was just like the worst thing ever. You know those little elect- electric boxes that the Sweden has. That it's like they're like on the street sometimes, and they're yeah. Yeah, I I used to kick those on my way back home, so I wasn't verbal, but I was I was like aggressive in another way, and and still to this day, like sometimes I can just get a flashback to to games back in the days that I played with my youth team, and I can just get flashbacks, and I I can just tell my mom, I will literally call her, and I will go, do you remember this girl? She goes, yeah. It's like she used to be so bad, and I st- I can still get mad at it, like because I was like how bad can you actually be? But then it's like, okay, but you work hard or do you, or do you not? Yeah. It's a side story for another time, but yeah, I used to not be very happy with my, my teammates. Yeah. Cause you know, when you're a kid as well, it's, and, and football was actually, I watched so much football. I, I was at the pitch all the time. Mom dragging me home for dinner and stuff like that. Classic stories, but it was, it was all about football. So for me, it, I really didn't, I just didn't understand. Is that why, why? Some couldn't give everything. And that took me many years to like kind of accept actually. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, but it's maybe not a good thing in everything either because I feel like I'm like, either I do it 100% or I don't do it. And sometimes, yeah, let's be honest, 80% is enough when it comes to like school or interviews or whatever. You, you can't be like 100% all the time. So learning by doing, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but that's I, I actually, to be honest, also I, those tears was hard to keep hold back. Even when I was like, uh, I remember my brother coming home one day, was crying after a game as usual when we lost, and he just like, okay, I know Abby's emotional, I know she does her best, she gives everything, but this crying needs to stop. <laughs> He's seven years older than me, and he was like, 
this crime needs to stop. I'm done. And I was like, okay, I see your point. But I can't hold him back. And he was, he was like, no, you're too old. Let go. You can't cry. Grow up. And from that on, we were like working on me not to cry when we lost games. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to think about. Oh. Yeah, it, it, I, it sounds like my mom, honestly. But now it's funny because I never cry when we lose. But I can't cry if we win. Like big games, not like winning a game in the league, but if we win tournaments, cup finals, because I'm in a bubble and it's a combination of being in a bubble for a longer period and succeeding. And then I'm drained because, yeah, that's it. Then I get emotional. But when we lose now, I, yeah, not many tears. I guess I used them all when I was young. Uh, Andy, we're going to talk to you a little bit about your career. You played for Copa Barca at the border between 2013 2016. And then you went on to bigger and greater things. And then you came back. Um, but take us uh, through um, how was it to come to Sweden in 2013? Uh, I came to Sweden after being in to be in Potsdam uh, for only half a year. Uh, and it wasn't a good match. Uh, Really enjoyed it though, because everyone's like we had the, the yeah our weekly training amount was insane. Still is looking back. I guess it's changed now, but we had three days with three trainings. Then we went to two two days, and then we had a game, and then we had a day off. So the amount of hours that we put down was yeah it was way too much actually uh, compared to what you get back for it because we were always trained. But that part I found super exciting and and i was really curious and wanted to learn eager to do my best but that part wasn't the hardest part it was more like me not understanding the the culture of football and how it was led over there and and i didn't understand how uh, i was going to develop under circumstances like that so after half a year i decided to to try something else because that was the first time we've been abroad. Uh, me and my sister and my mother went there at the same time. They decided to stay. And yeah, were there for two and one year, I think. Uh, but for me, it was, yeah, wasn't where I saw my future, actually. Um, could have been, you never know. But then I decided to go back to Scandinavia, to Gothenburg, which I think was a good choice. Stay there for... Almost, I came in during the summer because the league is different uh, in Germany. Uh, so I played almost three seasons. Uh, and it was, I, I, when I look back, that's three amazing years for me. Uh, really enjoyed it here. The level was good. It was the time that Tiresa made it to Champions League final. Uh, lots of international players in the league. Good surroundings. Uh, at that time, I thought... The league was going to grow even bigger than it did at a certain point, but uh, it was a good place to be. And also my team, we had a good mixture of old players and, and young and upcoming players. So uh, for me, when I look back also, it's three of years full of joy and hard work, really. And then you went on to Birmingham, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, PSG and then Roma, right? So first I got a offer from Birmingham, uh, which I didn't 
didn't take. I felt like I still wanted to stay a little bit more in Sweden. I uh, didn't feel like I was yeah, done with my stay here. And I really liked it here and was still challenging in in terms of developing or like I was challenged. I mean, uh, but then it came to a point where I felt like, okay, now I feel, I wouldn't say like, okay, I feel too good for this league, but I feel like if I'm going to keep this developing development, I need to challenge myself even harder. So Birmingham came back after half a year. Still wasn't sure because back, yeah, back in that time, we didn't know much about the English league. We didn't really have any games to watch and it was still up and coming. Uh, but they've been scouting. And this was the first time also I experienced them at, in women's football, someone scouting for, he was scouting me for a year. And uh, this was a uh, name, uh, a guy called David Parker, who worked with Birmingham. He was kind of, uh, he did everything for the club really, but he was assistant coach. Um, and uh, we were with the, the national team next to Birmingham. And then I popped by to make a visit and got a really good impression by the club and what they wanted uh, to achieve and what, what how they saw me in in Birmingham. And that was a role that was not just about me on the pitch, but also off the pitch. They wanted to use my skills of leadership to try to build a culture. And that part really got me curious uh, on, okay, here's a chance to develop as a player, but also as a person and as a leader. So it, those two years also were really two years that was filled with both ups and downs, really, to be honest. But uh, we had a good team that made it to four cup finals, if I'm not three. I can't remember really. When you said seven cup finals, I was like, seven, you you sure? <laughs> I thought that was a lot. But uh, also two, two good years, two good seasons. Players like Ellen White, uh, Jess Carter, Anka Timberger, Eiffel Mannion was there. The, yeah, so it was uh, a tough group. Made it to Wembley Stadium, FA Cup final. Got smashed by Man City that game. So it was, uh, at that time, one of the biggest experiences I had, but at the same time, one of the worst. <laughs> and that's football at times, I guess. But yeah. Fun years, absolutely. Well, what's your question? <laughs> yeah, no, you say one of your worst experiences. Yeah, because we, we came there, we thought we... That's the first time I yeah, got that a little bit shocked. We felt like we came prepared. Then Man City showed us really that we weren't at all. And from the beginning, they, they were at a different level in terms of scoring on their opportunities and exploiting us, our weaknesses. Because we've always been tight with them during the season another cup final earlier on. Uh, so we thought that we had a hang on them, but they, they came out and really smashed us. Uh, and I think it was 3-0 after like 30 minutes. And from there, it was only trying to, to not embarrass ourselves. But it was an amazing journey getting there, seeing the fans there and how much it meant for women's football in general, because it was at that time a, a record as well in terms of audience on the, in the stands. And there were so many kids as well, I remember. So they were screaming for 90 minutes. Couldn't hear anything on the pitch. It was a surreal experience. Um, 
and that already there you can tell that maybe this this league will grow because I remember my sister she has played some Champions League finals but in terms of uh, crowd at the game I had the family's record at that time I think it was like 37 this was back in 17 I think or no 16 17 I don't know it's been too long ago but a great experience super fun great people fantastic people actually I need to break in now because apparently I just got a message and I need to tell you this now as well since we speak about Birmingham your coach in Birmingham uh, he lives in LA right now so the time difference is is I mean he's nine hours uh, back <laughs> and so I didn't get a hold of him this morning when I was trying to get a quote but I just got a message from David David Bingot uh, yeah and he he's he, he told me he was happy to to send a quote about you as well and seems like like you're very popular among the teams you have played in and I I will make sure to use it on my scouting profile uh the article I will write on on football's canal oh, cool. just wanted to tell you that so we actually um I want to talk to you about about one thing and uh, as sad as it is as sad as as sad as it is that you had to go through that I would like to talk to you about your time in Roma and your injury yeah, I had I played for Roma in in two seasons. I had there, didn't finish one of them. Started off really well first season, uh, gained back the joy of football, and after two rough years in PSG, which again I will say that was a super experience uh, being in PSG, uh, and top top club in so many ways, but also rough, and I struggled a bit with a lot of injuries over there. So it wasn't exactly the state that I had hoped for, but that's life, I guess. Uh, even though I went from PSG with uh, actually two MVPs, so it wasn't all just bad, but there were some injuries also that killed my rhythm over there. I came to Roma, super fun, uh, lots of energy, love the team, love the culture over there. It was new, the league, I could tell that after being so many clubs before having some experience you could tell that this league needs a few years but for me I was really enjoying it uh, made it to like the team of the week a few times in a row there was in a good flow and boom Corona came uh, and we got to travel home uh, those of us who weren't Italian and they decided in the end to just yeah, finish the league we, we stop it and we continue and whenever we can. So then I was home for like a few months there. Uh, we came back. Uh, still really lots of restrictions because of the corona, of course, uh, but we were taken good care of. And the league started rolling again. And after six months, I tore my ACL and parts of my meniscus as well. And then didn't finish the second season either. Uh, so... That's a tough one, um, absolutely. Uh, but to be honest, it was also tough uh, with all the restrictions uh, with Corona and everything. And uh, I'm actually super impressed by how they they managed over there. Uh, the players being locked up in their apartments the way they were for so long. Uh, when I was on Oslo, we were still under 
hard restrictions as well, but in, in Italy it was another level. Uh, even when I came back, we had the piece of paper um, from the club that we showed to the police every time we went out to basically walking 50, yeah, 50 meters to the car to drive to train in and back again. So if you got stopped by the police, you would get fined. But since we were athletes doing our job, we were allowed. But it was basically what we did for a long, long period. Uh, so it was a tough period. Got back home for Christmas, four days, and then went back again, full of energy. And uh, after three or four uh, days there, I, yeah, my ACL just snapped. And I mean, I've been lucky though, because uh, I haven't had, uh, except for my time in PSG, I haven't had like really serious injuries, uh, not not like these ones at least. Um, and people say that when you tear your ACL, you know straight away. And so did I uh, when it happened. Uh, the doctor came and I asked her, uh, is it the ACL? That was the first thing I asked. And she <laughs> she nodded like, yes, but she said, maybe. And I was like, okay. But uh, yeah, took because they had the equipment we needed there to get a scan and everything. So within five minutes, I knew that I, yeah, was the ACL. How 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 is that for you mentally? Because if I'm not mistaken, there is, a, it's a little bit different. And I think Italy or other countries uh, compared to Scandinavia, when it comes to coming back from, from an ACL and you decided you wanted to do your rehab in Norway and let it take the time that it, that it needed to heal. But was there any pressure on you from the club that they wanted you back faster or? Uh, yeah. With all the respect to, to Italy and France and, and Rome as well, like how to think and do stuff uh, in my had this didn't make sense uh, in Norway and Scandinavia, we say like nine to yeah, eight, nine to 12 months with this kind of injury. And you hear the setbacks and Saniolo, one of the men's player, he did the, did it the Italian way, if you can call it that. And well, did a, he's come back after like five months. And to be fair, some, some do well, some, some manage and start playing and it's all fine. But he was one of those who tore it like after two months and then you have another rehab and it's one thing is like the physical part of it, but also the mental part is it's it's not an easy role. Uh, so I'm if it's one thing I'm happy about is me tearing it that late in my career. Because for me I've been used to the pressure uh in, in those kind of situations, even though this is somehow a new one anyway but i knew what would be the right for me and that was to take as long as it takes to make sure that it's again 100 percent ready to go back and not like 80 90 um and i knew after tough period of corona and isolation it could be nice to start at least do it at home uh I had, as soon as it happened, I spoke to some doctors, both in, in Rome and, and in Oslo. Uh, and I made my mind up that I wanted to go back to, to Oslo and do it there at the Olympia Toppen. Uh, but again, I, I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate the, the effort Roma made. Uh, they wanted to do the surgery like straight away, uh, the best surgeon in town. Uh, 
spoken very well about and everything. And I met him in person and told him it's not anything personal, but this one, it's not just, I know I've heard about this road and I know it's going to take time. And for me, I needed to be around people that I really, really trust. And so I went back to Olympiatoppen in Norway, had my surgery there. And yeah, and then it was all about getting back on the picture. And uh, Mia, before I'm going to let you take over, I have maybe two or three more questions. Um, but fast forward and you're back in Sweden. Um, the reports about you possibly going to Eskilstuna United and then Beko Hecken comes in the picture um, and at the same time you you want to get back to the national team. That was my, my main target for the summer yeah, uh, to get back. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been there now. I haven't been there since uh, last year I was in 17. And um, I'm just going to put it out there. After my sister she said no uh, to play, continue playing for the national team. And after she did, I was never selected uh, in the squad, uh, which has been, to be honest, tough time, really tough time. Um, had to reset my mindset a few times there because uh, national team has always been a big target of mine. It's been something I've enjoyed so much and I've been grateful that I got to experience. Felt like I've been doing well when I was there as well. So now I, when I got injured, uh, I had a lot of conversation with the national team. They really helped me getting this, this rehab done and giving me the opportunity to do it in Oslo. So I'm really thankful for that. And uh, as I saw it after the, when I was back, my comeback, I did it in February. I was back playing with a team with Hekenden. I had some options abroad, but that would only give me like, seven, eight games, and that's for me as well. It's, uh, or for me as well, like I'm a superhero. It's it's not a lot of games to get fit and get ready and show yourself that even me as well, I needed to get to know, know my knee again. Will it manage? Do I have to uh, have, do I have some setbacks to manage or whatever? Uh, so that's why I landed on yeah, Scandinavia, and that's mainly Sweden and Norway, but Sweden has always been a few steps ahead of uh, Norway in terms of level and and the league and everything around it. Um, and I've been in Gothenburg before. Uh, but uh, it's, it's true, as you said, Eskilstuna was also uh, an option. And um, to be honest, I, I consider them both as good options. I went to visit Eskilstuna and uh, and uh, I met uh, Elena, the coach, and she showed me around there. She showed me the plans and how they wanted their philosophy, strategies, etc. And I must say, she, she really impressed me. And to be honest, I would really like to work with her someday because she's one person that I think we would see a lot of in the future. She's uh, one of those that, if she wants something, she works not just hard, but even harder than anyone else. So it's going to be interesting to follow her and her career. So I also went to visit Hacken and saw how they are building the, the, not just a team, but the club. Uh, and that was impressive. 
I must say. Uh, absolutely. Um, in terms of the competition, it would have been an easy choice for me to go to, or easier choice. Of course, I have to deliver as well. Uh, I need to be humble about that. And I, I know that's, I'm not given in any clubs. You have to perform. That's, that's how football is. Uh, so Hecken might have been a bigger challenge, but to see how they, what they've done with the women's section so far. Uh, and we don't even call it the women's section over here. We, we, we one club, basically. Um, it's a model that I think other clubs should basically come and visit, see how it can be done, because it's uh, how it should be done, first of all. But for me to be included in in a club like this, working side by side with the men's team like we do, having the same resources, it's a huge, huge uh, motivation in the daily work. And that's what it's all about. It's not just about the games. It's about the six other days in the week that you work your ass off. And so I ended up with Hecken in the end. Yeah. I did not make it to the Euros, but... It's been, yeah, I've been a professional uh, footballer abroad now for 10 years, and it's been ups and downs. Um, I've been at the point where I've been at the clubs like PSG and Roma, did well, uh, didn't make it to the national team, even when I performed well there. So I knew it was going to be a tough one, this one. But there's always hope, and I really, really want to put on the, the Norwegian national jersey again. Um, that's a big game. I have. Um, but this time, uh, I knew it was a long shot. I gave it my best. Um, it didn't work out this time. And uh, as I said to my, I had a discussion with my dad the day before they announced the squad that no matter what happens, this is not going to define me as a footballer, as a football player. And uh, this time it wasn't, wasn't meant to be for yeah. me this time either. And, uh, <laughs> as, as the coach and back then, there's a championship coming up over the next season. So now, but at at the same time, also Hecken has a interesting season ahead. The Champions League. Hope to fight more in the top now at the end of the season. The resources that we have says that it's gonna maintain in the top. Uh, see now that, and it breaks my heart to see that the Eskilstuna is struggling financially. I know other teams in Sweden also aren't at the best position. Um, that's one of the things that still makes me gutted to see because we, we sit there and talk about how women's football got gotten us so far, etc. Yes, it has, but there's still so much that needs to be done. Absolutely. It's, it shouldn't be like this being in a financial crisis like that. It's unacceptable. And I think, yeah, we've gotten far, but look... If we're going to grow, we need to grow together. Totally. Um, Mia, before you do take over, I'm going to let you take over. I do have two more questions. Just the, the second one is going to be really fast. But the first one is um, what really stuck with me is when you were talking about the national team, as you said, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, when my sister decided that she didn't want to play, I didn't get called up either. Do you think that that played a part for you um, or like that there was something from the federation that they were thinking that uh, maybe you didn't want to play either or they made assumptions mm. for me as well i've i've it's been 
so long ago and now we even got a new coach and everything's going to get new i guess uh so for me sitting thinking it doesn't get me anywhere so well i basically just that's what i said i I need to look forward on what i can can do and that's basically perform well and make it hard for them to not uh, select me uh but as i said earlier as well i had to rewind and restart my mindset because uh, it's been a big part of my career and all of a sudden it wasn't it wasn't there anymore um and and i'll be honest it's my motivation hasn't been sky high it hasn't uh, i felt like it was impossible at times uh, one time for instance i got an mvp in a big tournament with phg an international tournament even then i wasn't selected for the squad so it's it's been tough it has uh whether other has played a part or not <sighs> what i think or not think it doesn't really matter either because it's not going to change anything but uh what's for sure is it's been challenging it has but it also made me who i am today and as cliche as it sounds it's something i'm really grateful of that football has not only been like part of my life but it's shaped me to becoming a I'm just I'm just going to put that one out there as well. A strong, strong person, I think, uh, mentally at least. Um, that's why I think I coped so well with not being selected for the Euros uh, this year as well. And again, tough one as well. I'm not going to lie. It's you, you, you work hard every day. Uh, you start to think, am I given the same chance as everyone else? How can I do better? How can I, should I contact them? What should I do? But at the end of the day, you just have to give it your best and make, as I said earlier, make it hard for them not to to pick you. And then you do it and you feel it's hopeless, but it's life. It's not fair all the time, so you just have to cope. Um, what's hard was in the beginning, I, I had to I remember I did a tweet about it. Maybe not, because I always, I don't like to do stuff in media. I think it's better to do talk to those involved uh, and not use media but this time i i wrote a tweet because there was so many thinking i said no playing for the national team and i just made a statement on twitter that i've never said no uh playing for the national team and and that's something back then i wanted to to continue doing and i want also this day today um that being said what's done is done I'm not holding the grudge against anyone. Uh, I'm not blaming anyone. Um, it is what it is. And maybe now uh, the team has a fresh start and that might include me as well. Uh, at least I'm, I'm going to give it my best to get back. Because, yeah, I really, really miss putting that shirt on. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do and go through media. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm here now. <laughs> really. <laughs> no, but, uh, that, but I'm, I'm, I, it's nice to actually say that it, and be honest about it also because it has been tough. It is. And, and football at times it's so brutal that you, you doubt yourself and why you do it. That's a thing everyone does, and including me. Uh, and that's what I mean also by when I got to Rome, I've, I've got more like the just the basic joy of it, playing a little bit more back because there was a time there I was at the end of the season and needed a breather 
vacation, couldn't talk about football. Couldn't talk about football at all. Told my agents, uh, we work well together. And then you, okay, now we gave Andy two weeks. Here's the offers. <laughs> does she want them? Does she not? Does she want to stay? Does she want to leave? But I needed to two weeks. Just nothing about football because, yeah, you get at the point where you feel like you can't breathe and then it's, that's, that's when you do one thing or take your time and breathe. And again, it shaped me to who I am today and I'm grateful for that at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, we actually, before I'm going to let you go for real this time, before we started recording this, um, we said that we we're going to, get this on the podcast but our first encounter ever was uh, a text message from me uh to you because in sweden there are these uh, wonderful media guides that has everyone's numbers <laughs> and so i could get your number and ask you about the euros and if you wanted to talk about it but i might have texted you on uh, a bad day <laughs> which also Maybe. Uh, which also happened to be my birthday yes <laughs> Yeah, that was the day. Uh, yeah, the squad got announced. Yeah, I remember you texting me. Um, I just let you. I kept you hanging, didn't I? I didn't even. Respond. Yeah, you didn't respond. Mm. And then you, we, I saw you. Hecken uh, played Hammarby, and uh, you said, uh, "Well, what do you guys write for?" And I said, "Well, I write for Football Scandal." And you said, "Oh, you're the one who texted me." Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I apologize for not replying, but I also told you. Yeah. It's better. Sometimes it's better not to, <laughs> to talk too much. <laughs> yeah, I did get an explanation. So I'm happy about that. But that's a fun story. Yeah, that's also like I play. When I play, I play with my... You can tell uh, that I put a lot of emotions into it. And that's who I am, I guess. But sometimes you need to control them myself. So that's what I did with not yeah. replying here, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next time, I'll, I'll probably still reply. Promise. Next time. <laughs> not now. I'm going to leave you now. I'm the one that's going to leave you now because Mia's going to come and uh, she's going to go through all the tactical analysis. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now I will turn because you have spoken a lot about uh, I feel like like it at, at least that you have spoken a lot about what football has uh, made created the person uh, andrina or andy don't <laughs> yeah. know what we're we're saying now but but if you could describe yourself as a football player and as a midfielder uh, how do you see yourself as the footballer andrina uh yeah i'm i'm first of all I'm always prepared well um people see me as a leader uh, but that has also come from me being curious and prepared and trying to do my best as well as understand how things work together uh, and the, the 
working within a group and the group dynamics has always been something that I found interesting, just like naturally. It's not like I went all in studying how it works. It's just something that I really enjoy being a part of and understand how things match together. And when it doesn't, why doesn't it? Um, so I think I have gotten some leadership uh, qualities out of that, just being curious and being outspoken and not too afraid of speaking up and not afraid of asking questions. Uh, so when I get on the pitch, I see things that maybe not everyone sees. It's just, just those small details. Because uh, it's always, if you play a good game, uh, everyone thinks it's super great. Uh, and if you play a bad one, it's not as bad as you always think. It's just those small details that wasn't really on top or on, yeah, on top of the game that game. Uh, and those things I try to implement into the game when I'm on the pitch as well. Because yeah, you can watch the game and do the analysis after, but why not fix it while we're playing? So, so as Jennifer Falk uh, mentioned in early on here, she said that I'm outspoken on the pitch. Um, and that's only because I, I try to improve our performance as a team, uh, not basically just me, but uh, the team benefits by all the players getting into positions and situations their their qualities are good at. Um, and that's also maybe one of my qualities is to play those passes or pass the ball in those spaces where others can get their qualities out because um, that's also a big part of my game I think because I'm, I'm not like the fastest I'm not the biggest I'm not the strongest but by reading the game I think I get some good qualities out there um, and then there's always been my left foot that's been decent and I have a right foot that's not too bad either but uh, yeah being a lefty has been with me my whole career you're you're Current coach uh, Robert, he actually mentions the left foot when when you speak to him about you as well. But I mean, you mentioned this, and I think it's quite interesting because when when speaking of analysis, because you say why you practically say that why don't why don't we analyze while we're playing and fix it <laughs> while we can fix it in the game, and and you play um, as a midfielder. And one part uh, of the role as a midfielder is about scanning, you know, looking looking around. And that can be before you get the ball, even. Uh, how, how, I mean, and, and then there's a lot of roles uh, across the midfield. Where do you see yourself? I prefer to play in uh, central uh, in the midfield. Uh, right now, I've been a bit both on the left and the right side. Uh, but I prefer to be central also because I feel like I can connect to all the players, all my teammates. Uh, and scanning has been a big part of my game as well. Uh, a few years back, I got a, a boyfriend who's not been that much in the, the football environment. And he actually <laughs> asked <laughs> if it's common to have problem problem with the neck. And I was like, what the, so <laughs> what's going on? And then he'd seen that part of the game where you scan the pitch and and he found it really interesting and was like, does it sometimes end badly? <laughs> but mostly it doesn't because 
it's yeah, and it's always been natural in my game, but uh, also had a, a good coach in my father uh, trying to improve that aspect of my game because he saw early on that I was a scanner because some some just are naturally, and uh, he helped me getting the tools in in my brain. I was going to say <laughs> so I can use them on the pitch as well. But then it's also scanning, just like not knowing where your opponents or your teammates are, but also like if the tempo is too high, you, you, there's a certain way to deliver the next pass, making it more calm. If it's if you need to raise the tempo, you need to play it harder. Uh, maybe it needs to be in a different space so they can detect the ball, stuff like that as well. Uh, it's There's a lot of players lacking that in quality. Uh, not being able to because often it's oh we need to put a raise the tempo it's always raising the tempo but for me it's sometimes uh, it's the opposite you need to slow the tempo because if you raise it you're not you're not going to perform you're not going to get called to the house you need to have a pass or two that's slowing it down before then you go again and I think that's a big part of the game that's been misunderstood because you always heard even when we were 17, we didn't have the qualities, but the tempo was supposed to be higher, higher, higher. But actually, it should have been finding ways to slow it down so we could use our qualities. Um, and I feel like that's coming more and more now. Uh, you see now there's more different types uh, within in, within the game. Uh, and they're really good at slowing it before exploding. Uh, so also, not just knowing scanning not just doing where the opponents are and your teammates teammates but also how to influence the game getting our qualities as a team out on the pitch i i often think about this because you speak about the tempo it's like when you speak to people around europe at the moment as an example now it's sort of like the tempo is some sort of prestige or a measure on how, how good a league is or not. Yeah, and for me, that's that's so misunderstood. Uh, also in trainings, if sometimes I wish that, like, uh, for instance, our team in Hecken or in Roma saw us training in PSG, I think there are many Norwegian teams, many Swedish teams, they would be shocked by the tempo. It, it, oh, yeah, it was super high when it was high at times, but mostly it's not not a high tempo at all. It's all about getting the technique in and doing the getting the timing right, so you can get the natural high te- high speed, the high tempo in. But here it's like we also have in my family we done a, a football camp. We don't like to call it football school because we're like you can't really be thought in in football. It's it's not a school in that sense that you do something right it's right everything can be right and everything can be wrong so we call it a football camp instead and that's we, we tell the girls as well when they do one touch passes for instance simple passes two and two they increase the tempo at the level where they miss the passes and when we tell them to slow down just to get the rhythm they, they get shocked because they also say we've always been told to, to raise the tempo it always supposed to go faster but there's no point in that because you're going to lose the ball if you keep doing that. So it's finding ways of getting that right tempo in the games where you can get your qualities out there because you can at certain points when the tempo is too high. 
And that's when, <laughs> back in the days also with the national team, the football has changed for sure. But there was more kick and run also there. The higher tempo, like the better quality of the game. But for me, that's totally misunderstood. But now it's getting there. I see more and more now that controlling tempo. If you watch at Barcelona, don't tell me they have the biggest tempo or highest tempo in 90 minutes, but they have the correct tempo within passes and, and the movements. Yeah, for sure. And and this is also a way because with the investments in the women's game, it also, I mean, the, the quality of the play uh, grows as well. So bef- when you were in Sweden uh, between 2013 and 2016, the last time around, what can can you see any difference, like influences in the game, like trends and and stuff? What what has happened in the Dalmal Svenskan during these years? Because mm, uh, first years when I was in Dalmal Svenskan, uh, the league was really at a good quality with all those players, and again I have to. Tyreser against Wolfsburg that well, I don't remember what year it was but the Champions League final yeah I think it was 2014 if I'm not I, I could be it's around there I think because for many years that was one of the the best games I've seen in within women's football in in many years after as well um, so so the they had players the, the league had players from Sweden which were at a high um Oh, sorry. The Mali got mad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The league back then had a lot of uh, different types of players and personalities. And at the point there, after Tudor, so maybe as well, when they ended like it did, uh, some of those types were, were a bit missing, I feel like, uh, for the league to be the same interesting level that it was because um, what I see now is that it's getting more common to get types like for instance like uh, Johanna uh, Connerid here at Hecken she's she's ha- she has her qualities that no one else has and she she dares to use them she's now at Chelsea and it's going to be super interesting to follow her the speed the technique it was the same when I was in PSG like Diani just another different style of playing. Before in, in Sweden and Norway, I felt like we were all supposed to play in a system. We were set, set in a system, uh, which is which is not wrong at all. But now there's more different styles, types, personalities expressing themselves on the pitch uh, during games. And it's so important for the game to develop as well. You see, now during the Euros, there's so many players Every every national team has one or two, of, if not three, four, five. England, they even have it on the bench that can influence the game in their way. Um, and now I think like Dayson did a massive job making uh, Champions League available to watch. You get role models so you can see what's possible to do and you can explore more yourself as a player. And I think that has helped the game massively. Also here in Sweden, you see now the younger girls in our team as well. They have they're all unique in their way, uh, which I think was a bit lacking both in northern Sweden at the while. And and now it's it's getting there. It's just that we're so nice in Scandinavia, and 
we put the band of ourselves by being nice instead of just like you are once again. She was one of those who just did say, Hey, here I am. I'm gonna do my best and this is what this is what I can do. I feel like so many players could have that feel that confidence, but just trying I feel like there there's so many that could get at a higher level if they just had a little bit more confidence in believing in themselves and just ah, screw it, I'm gonna do it. I'm good at this, I'm gonna do it. So I think that's the that's the next step because there's so much talent coming up now. And uh, and myself it cannot be my experience from working with the kids at my football camp. There's there there's been a change. They're they're so unique in in so many ways and needs Speaking to them, it's you, you. We shouldn't underestimate them. There are wise women already at the age of sixteen, seventeen. They're asking loads of good questions, but also them, they they need to be told that they're they're good at stuff. Uh, and after us telling them that it's allowed to say to yourself or to show that hey, this is what I'm good at, all of a sudden they see more. Uh, qualities that they have that they're good at and the, the, it's like a domino effect that for me it's been really interesting for me saying or asking what do you do that they be like uh, some say I have a good left foot and like I do like when you push them to kind of believe a little bit in themselves they, they explore all these areas that they're really good at and for me it's it's interesting also to see how they develop as players and persons by being allowed to to work on the stuff that they're good at and being allowed to I think we focus too much on development developing stuff you ain't like the weaknesses yeah of course they shouldn't be super weak but at the same point it doesn't matter if if you're just like on the mid scale you need you need to have a competence that's higher than others and for me I've done that I had a lefty and I worked on my lefty because it was good and I wanted to get even I would have wanted to get even better and make that advantage for me and uh, I think too many coaches and especially working with the youth are really good at pointing out the weaknesses instead of the strength uh, also Sweden and Norway we're, we're not big countries and we need to use the quality that we have and build on that instead of yeah building on all the weaknesses because who wants to be in the mid block it's no one rather do rather do really good or really shit nothing in between no <laughs> no boring. Uh, that that's that's lagom in sweden yeah, lagom exactly yeah best word the, the land of middle milk <laughs> the green milk <laughs> no but seriously i think we could benefit so much of Pointing out strength instead of being the one that's going to develop your weaknesses. Uh, this is what you need to work on. This is what you need. Of course, after after a certain level, don't get me misunderstood, but we're so good at pointing out weaknesses instead of what's good. And I think abroad, they're really so much better at this is what you do. This is why I play you here. Do it. We trust you. Go, go expose yourself. Yeah. So, what is the most difficult thing you have faced on the pitch while playing in the role as a midfielder? And and just to give you a background to why I thought of this question, this is this could be an uh, an instruction you have you have gotten from a coach 
that was too hard for you on the pitch or a position in the midfield that you feel is more difficult to handle, perhaps, but you still need to play it. So think of it in that way. Actually, speaking about uh, the past and stuff, uh, when I first came to Copa Bags, at the boy, was it Rosengård or was it Tyrus we played? I played a uh, left winger at least. And back then, that, that was not my position at all. Uh, I managed better now, understanding the game better, so I, I saw it in a different way. Um, yeah, but I was placed on the left there. And we just, we I think we were down again, 3-0 really early. It was my first game. Uh, and it was like, hey, I'm being here, back from Tavina Potsdam. Being announced in the media, it was a little, like, a little bit like last big signing, etc. And both the team, but also me, weren't even close. Weren't even close. And it was one of those games uh, where we, we weren't even able to park the bus. None of the touches were right. You know, sometimes you just like, okay, who put three stones in my, my shoes because this ball is just bouncing as soon as it gets here. It's not so often that happens. And I haven't had those in, in a few years, maybe because I uh, grew as a, as a person and player as well. But those games where you want, to, you want to put everything out there, but you're just not even close getting there. It's it's just like it doesn't matter if you as I said you can't even park the bus and then you know there's no chance. <laughs> but right now it's more it's more like getting the team uh, to believe in what we're doing when it's 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 rough. Like now we're facing PSG in in the Champions League, tough one for us. How to to manage being maybe under. Or if, let's say, we score a goal, how to manage not getting nervous and stuff. It's more like getting the group, uh, putting their emotions aside, which is funny coming from me, who puts a lot of emotions to the game. But I'm, I think I'm really balanced in the way that if it's loud, I'm the one that tries to make it more quiet and sound or nice and sound. And if it's need to, hey, we need to raise the tempo here, it's, I'm the one to do it. So I think I'm more balanced in that way, but that was not the good good first game for Copa Bags at the board back in the days at least, that's for sure. And you were, you remember those games though, because uh, you don't want them to happen again. <laughs> and then you learn and grow. And then you learn. But actually that being said as well, because I as we said now, uh, the a high tempo indicate that's a good game. It doesn't match up in my head. Also the thing saying you learn so much from losing it's always also been like I've had a hard time understanding why you can't learn from winning I don't understand how you have to lose <laughs> to learn <laughs> true true story it's also been so, so misunderstood but okay I guess it's more like a way to hide I guess but yeah more like the fact that uh, what what you learn is that you don't want to feel like crap again so exactly you just raise the bar for the next time around <laughs> Uh, yeah it's, it's exactly like that so it's only one thing to do yeah well let's jump into questions from listeners because i i do think that we have some true fans yash uh, wants to know are there any players you try to model your game around and if yes what specific attributes are you looking to pick up from their playing styles Ooh, 
good question though. Uh, I don't think I try to copy, but I would rather say get inspired. Paolo Maldini. Oh, but it's the way leadership, maybe. Indeed, Paolo Maldini. It's funny though because he was a defender as well, and I'm more like I could, yeah, I could play in the low uh, midfielder as well, but I'm more like a ten or central uh, midfielder. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I love him. Uh, but I think I, I'm, I would say that I get inspired and maybe pick up bits uh, here and there. Uh, But always when we worked, me and my dad, uh, we we always, if we wanted to, to make a change, we haven't made a big one. We tried to, we say percentage by percentage. So we, we always take a little bit, uh, make cha- change it maybe a little bit, not, not too much, because you still have to have your own identity, identity and then you can spice it up a little bit now and then. But safe and sound instead of making a big job because it's easier to lose your identity if you try to copy someone else. But of course, it, you get inspired by watching everyone else. And especially like uh, assist, in my my opinion, that's one of the good passes that looks easy but are brilliant. The best I see. That's when I love football. <laughs> uh, this Dan, number one, Wants to know who was more competitive growing up, uh, Ada or you? <laughs> good one, good one. We also had an older brother. He, we were the three of us. It was messy at times. It was messy. Um, yeah, it depends on the day. Really depends on the day and who's the the best at being annoying and who's the best at not being annoyed. Three of us. Can you imagine? My mom and dad has had some hard times, but um, the worst part is not in football, but in like the small games, like uh, let's say we play cards or or whatever, have a competition. If we go, if we have a been in the backyard, we easily find something to compete about. Once we started throwing eggs in the kitchen because one did it, and we had a raw egg that we through between us and then it was like we played pig if you lose it you get a, a letter so you had to like throw it three three times mm. <laughs> ah and then always someone in being in my mood and to be honest it's been tricky um being with my my boyfriend and his family as well they find it so fascinating how annoyed they can get by losing a game of cards And yeah, it's, it could be embarrassing as well, but mm, depends on the day. It could be me, it could be Aldo, and it could be our brother Silas. And it could get ugly, but we grow, I guess, but it's still messy. Yeah. <laughs> could be anyone. It could be. Sorry, not a good answer, but impossible. I'm with you. Losing is uh, terrible. So I understand the competitiveness. Yeah, the, the, more, the less at risk or like the... the doesn't matter if it's a Yahtzee or whatever. The smaller game, the worse it is. Unbelievable. Diamond Andy wants to know, are you excited about your return to Paris for the Champions League? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been long since I've been there now. Uh, and the question is if it's going to be at the Parc de France or uh, Comte de Loche, but I get this, guess it's going to be the smaller stadium. No, it's not Comte de Loche. Yeah, super excited. I'm really excited, actually. 
going back to Paris. Uh, still some players there since I played as well. Uh, some staff members also. Uh, and I have to give it to them, the, the fans. They're, they're one of the best fans out there. Uh, you can see also now as the game is growing, the, the fan bases are growing as well. But the fans at PhD has been always loud and clear and, and on top. So it's something I enjoy playing in front of a big crowd. So I'm really looking forward to it, actually. I must admit. Both home and away. Two people have sent in questions about your time in England. So I'm going to, like, it's one uh, called Ball and one who has a lot of numbers uh, in in their ads. So, but the question is about, would you consider returning to the WSL and did you enjoy your time in England and Birmingham? And I feel like we sort of touched that last question uh, already when we spoke about Birmingham. So let's just stick with, would you consider returning to the WSL? Uh, If it's one thing I learned, it's hard to plan in this business. Uh, (laughs) I thought I was staying also in in Birmingham back then, Uh, but then all of a sudden... PSG came along and bought me out of my contract. Uh, so I, I can't really say that I was planned move to go to PSG. It just happened. Um, right now, I'm I'm satisfied with with building myself up after a ACL uh, um, injury uh, here in Hecken. Uh, it's exciting to see what Hecken can do with all the resources we have now. But again, the the league in England, England. They've done so much right uh, in the past, building slow but steady, or maybe not slow even, but steady. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons they won the, the Euros now. They've been building and they've been putting money, investing. Uh, the, the teams have done a massive job uh, with all the small details that has to, to be there to be in the top. Um, so the level there is absolutely top top class. And... Uh, yeah, why not play <laughs> at a good level? But uh, yeah, hard to say. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but at the same time, I'm really happy about the place I'm at right now. High level, high tempo. High tempo, high level. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, hello, this is Yanis. How do you feel on the pitch now after your unfortunate injury? You are the best. <laughs> No, actually, I, I feel I feel like I'm super. No, actually, my comeback's been as good as I could hope for. Uh, I need to send a big thanks for those uh, supporting me during the the recovery, the rehab, because uh, it's been no problem going back to football. Yeah, a bit swollen now and then, and need to do my gym sessions uh, to make it uh, stay uh, a happy knee and not an angry knee, as we call it. But it's been it's been top. Uh, felt like I did my progression well. Uh, was clear on that I wanted to be hundred percent fit before I jump back into it, and I think I'm benefiting from it now because right now it's still actually kind of a rehab phase or comeback phase. But for me, it hasn't been that at all. I just uh, felt so good that I haven't really been thinking about it. And to Yannis, I have to give him a shout out as well because he's been following me. Ever since I was in PhD, he was supposed to come to Rome, but Corona happened. And then he showed up uh, at the game here now against Örebro the other day. So he's one of those that's been following my career with the coach. So 
his name pops up now and then. Were you surprised when he showed up against the game against Örebro or did you know that he was going to be there? I didn't expect it. Uh, but once again, there during my time in different clubs, there's that's why I'm saying there's some fans that just really appreciate what to do and I'm really thankful that they feel so happy about yeah, my performances or uh, whatever. So for me, it's important to to take my time to like when he came all the way here from Paris, uh, of course, I need to take time to speak to him. And again, you feel really grateful that people yeah, spend the money, time to travel to watch your plates. Yeah, pinch your arm situation, which uh, I don't take for granted. Uh, it's something that gives you motivation to keep going as well. Because uh, that's what football is all about. It's connecting the community and people. Yeah, and let's move on to the last question. Uh, Bergen Jr., what is your proudest moment on the pitch so far? Oh, I always find that a hard one. Um, but actually, as I said, it was the biggest disappointment as well. But it was something special about that cup final, uh, FA Cup final at Wembley. Uh, and I realized that when my brother was there, because he's been obsessed with English football, he tend to be uh, obsessed with Premier League in Norway, um, and Wembley being one of the big, big stages. Uh, also in Birmingham, the the reaction to us playing at Wembley, so there was something about Wembley that made this such a such a big uh, big game. So that's maybe my my biggest. Uh, and I don't, I don't like to use the very proudest moment, but that one. And I'm also would like to mention when I got the MVP uh, at PSG also, because that meant a lot for me being in a tough time with the national team. It gave me some answers to, it made me yeah, two centimeters taller and uh, and gave me some confidence that I needed at that time. Uh, so it was a, a special moment, but there's all these small moments and all these people I met during the way it feels like I'm just... Uh, all the people I met also is a big part of who I've become in my career and everything. So pointing out one moment is, is really hard for me. But seven cup finals is also like seven big occasions uh, and I'm super thankful for, for all of them. Uh, but I hope that's still the biggest moment is yet to come. If not, I wouldn't be playing. <laughs> all right. We move on to the end section, which is this or that rapid fire, which means I'm going to give you two options. You're going to have to choose one or the other and no explanation. Mm. It's always harder than you think. I'm a thinker as well, so this one is tough for me. <laughs> but let's go. Um, a perfectly timed tackle, shoulder to shoulder, or intercepting the ball when it's about to break the lines. Shoulder to shoulder or slide tackle? Uh, shoulder to shoulder is what it says. Okay, so not a slide tackle, and then I intercept. But it was a slide tackle, I go for the slide tackle. <laughs> when beating pressure, dribbling on your own, or progressing up the pitch with perfect one-touch passes together with a teammate. Uh, one-touch passes, yeah. Uh, coming on from the bench to make an impact to get the win, in or start a game and play a full 90 minutes where you either lose or draw. Uh, all about team getting three points from the bench then. 
When scoring, would you rather a rocket from outside the box or finishing off with an easy tap-in after combining inside the box with your teammate? Rocket. Assist or score one yourself? Uh, me, personally, assist. But if you want to make the headlines, you have to score goals, apparently. <laughs> assist, assist. Assist. With that being said, <laughs> Andrina, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I hope I didn't speak too much uh, about stuff in general. <laughs> I can feel my Was mouth it, is it, getting dry now, so it's good to end it, but... <laughs> I hope you found something interesting, at least. I enjoyed talking to you Definitely, guys. Definitely, yeah. I feel like I'm sitting on a stool here at this hotel, and I feel like my butt is starting to hurt. <laughs> That's not good. Time. But apart from that, <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode, and uh, you've definitely turned uh, turned me around from being ghosted to being a fan. <laughs> so, all good. No hard feelings at all. Until the next text you send, and I will answer. Nah, I will answer every time now. No, you... Now you'll answer. That's a good place now, you know. <laughs> it's easier than Yes. <laughs> no, but thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Your podcast is a really good one. So enjoy being here. Thank you for being on. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 